This episode is brought to you by Food Snacks. It's food that you can snack on. Also brought to you by Clean Soap. Tired of things being dirty? Use Clean Soap to get clean. Right now, we're approaching the end of 2021. The new year is on the horizon. You are 21 years old. You're a junior in college. Looking ahead into your future, what do you see? It's a little foggy, Ruthie. (laughs) (laughs) But um, hopefully I will graduate college, looking to graduate in 2023, hopefully to do with chemistry slash econ, some combination of the two, and either looking to get a job out of college, maybe do some more grad school. We'll, We'll see what life throws at me. Up until recently, it was the expectation for women our age to be, if not already married, then at least thinking about it and working towards starting a family. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Things have changed a lot with what's expected in your timeline. Part of it is the representation that we see of women on screen and the, the kinds of things that we see women do. So up until fairly recently, the only kinds of representation we saw for women on TV was of a housewife, of a homemaker. Totally. So where do you see yourself in the future? If I asked you that same question 50 or 60 years ago, how do you think that your answer would be different? Welcome to this week's episode of The Feminine Future. I'm your host, Ruthie Baker, and I'm joined here today by fellow Emory University student, Lillian Knetter. Lillian, thanks for being on the show today. Hi, Ruthie. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Lillian and I are both in the middle of a particularly defining moment in our lives. We are both young women in our early 20s, about to graduate college. As we look into the future and begin to plan our adult lives, the dreams and expectations we have for ourselves are vastly different from those of our grandmothers when they were in their 20s. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the future prospects for women as represented in early American sitcoms through the lens of two young women about to enter full adult life in 2021, we will be discussing three episodes from three different early sitcoms to understand how representation of the feminine homemaker played an important role in keeping women confined to the domestic world. Without further ado, let's get into it. Chapter one, job switching. Our discussion of homemakers on screen would not be complete without Lucille Ball and I Love Lucy. The episode we're going to talk about today is from 1952, and it is one of the most famous episodes. I believe this is the only episode that you're familiar with. It is. Yes, this is the most well-known episode. It has the very famous scene of Lucy and her good friend Ethel. On that conveyor belt. Yes. Yes. Shoving chocolate into their hats and their shirts and their mouths. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But yes, it's the most famous episode. And at the beginning of the episode, Lucy and her husband Ricky get into an argument because he believes that she is spending too much money. And their good friends, Ethel and Fred, realize that they also have a similar problem. Let's face it, Rick. When it comes to money, there are two kinds of people. The earners and the spenders. Or as they are more popularly known, husbands and wives. Imagine if you had no money of your own and you relied entirely on your husband to provide you with an allowance. Yeah, I would not like that at all. No. Kind of (laughs) deprived of any freedom if you rely on someone else for money and... 
don't have a lot of agency in your life. It's insulting, really, I think. It shows that he sees her sort of as a child. You know, he thinks about her as someone who needs to rely on him for financial support. And she has no way to make money of her own, which, as you'll see here in the episode, she does attempt to do that, but it does not go very well. Yeah, and at the same time, while she was relying on him, it's expected that she's doing the work with the money to get what they need. You know, like, that she's the spender. She still has to provide for the family, like do stuff with the money, even though she's completely reliant on him. Yeah, it seems like rude for him to call her the spender when she's spending the money on things that benefit him. You know, right. the argument is actually because she, she spends money um, going to the beauty Clothes parlor. and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, which okay. is like still somewhat for him in a way. Like she is still right. presenting herself in a way that benefits him. So to settle their argument, the couples decide to switch places for a week. The women are tasked with finding jobs in order to appreciate the effort that goes into earning a dollar. And the men must take the homemaker's place to cook all the meals and do all the housework for a week. Uh, 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 listen, holding down a job is a lot more difficult than lying around the house all day long. Is that all you think we do? Yeah. Well, now, let's be fair, Rick. Every once in a while, they get up and play canasta. <laughs> who do you think does the housework? And who do you think cooks all the meals? Yeah. Oh, anybody can cook and do the housework. Well, I'd just like to see you two try it for a week. Okay, we will. We will? Yeah. <laughs> this I gotta see. I wanna get a load yeah, of it. Yeah, but wait a minute. You will have to go out and earn the living. Okay, we will. We will? Yeah. <laughs> we'll change for You'll get jobs and you take care of the house for a week, okay? Okay. Although this swapping of gender roles and social expectations may sound progressive, the plot of this episode only serves to reinforce the women's place in the home and the men's role in the workplace. Ricky and Fred fail miserably at their housework. The men comically burn iron marks into their clothes, they actually wash chicken with dish soap, and they struggle to contain an overflowing pot of rice after Ricky puts four pounds of rice in one pot. So they are just totally incapable of doing anything. They're, they just can't figure it out. And at the employment office, the women struggle as well, worried that they won't find jobs because they have no experience outside of the home. Lucy, I'm nervous. So am I. Do you think this man can really get jobs for us? Sure he can. But we don't know how to do anything. The employment officer lists several career options for them. Um, and Lucy and Ethel ignore most of them or shake their heads because they haven't even heard most of these jobs. Some of them are secretarial work and, and other typically feminine jobs, but they don't recognize any of them. And they, they jump at the only option that seems vaguely familiar to them, candy makers. In perhaps the most famous scene from I Love Lucy, they also fail horribly at their new career. Unable to keep up with the candy conveyor belt, they return home dejected. They got fired. It did not go well for them. But when they get home, they realize that their husbands have failed as well. So to solve everything, they decide to return to their original roles as spenders and earners, husbands and wives. Listen, we don't know how you girls feel about it, but we like to forget the whole thing. We're lousy housewives. Hideous. <laughs> Well, we're not so good at bringing home the bacon, either. We got fired off our first job. Yeah. Well, look, uh, what say we go back to the way we were? Huh? We, we'll make the money and you spend it. Oh, that's great, me. So they spend the whole episode encouraging this gender swap, showing women that they can have careers outside the home, only to put everyone right back in their place at the end. 
Yeah, that, that's right. That's exactly what happens. And that's a reoccurring theme you'll see here in the next episode as well. And in the third episode we'll talk about. So even when these sitcoms take small steps toward the progressive, they ultimately reinforce gender roles and encourage women that the best and only satisfying path for them in life is as wives or mothers or homemakers. But what about the actresses? Aren't they career women? Yeah, that's a great point. So, of course, not every woman in America was an otherwise unemployed homemaker. It's important to recognize that we are talking about typically white, middle-class women when we talk about the representation of women on screen at this time, and when we're talking about who this perfect single-income domestic bliss is being advertised to. But even Lucille Ball herself was a creative force behind I Love Lucy. Like countless other women at this time, she had a career outside of the home, and her portrayal of a satisfied, contained, domestic woman paradoxically allowed her to be professionally successful. The image she was representing is fictional, both because it does not reflect her real life and because it was hardly an achievable lifestyle for every American woman. But by reinforcing traditional gender roles and encouraging other women to return to the home in this post-war era, Lucille Ball was able to gain access out of these strict roles. Father knows best. Chapter 2, Betty, Girl Engineer. So this episode is a little bit more relevant to the moment that you and I are in our lives right now. Unlike Lucy, you and I are not already married. We don't have husband and wife problems yet. But like Betty, we are trying to figure out our future career paths. It does sound familiar. Yes, we're, we're in a similar boat. Except for Betty Anderson, the year is 1955, and her future prospects are a little bit more limited. At her high school career day, Betty signs up to train with an engineer, and fellow students and the guidance counselor alike immediately question her choice. Betty, you must be kidding. Look what you put down. You don't mean that. Why not? What's wrong with that? But uh, you're a girl. Aren't girls people? Ugh, I can't even imagine someone saying that to me. I'm glad she's standing up for herself and doing the engineering internship anyways. Yeah, it gets so much worse. It's really upsetting. Um, Betty's family laughs at her. Her mother wants her to focus on this new dress that she bought, but all Betty wants to talk about is engineering. And her father and her brother assume that she's going to give it up in less than a day. Well, this business of going out with the surveying crew, you don't think she's really serious, do you? Oh, yeah, she's quite serious. For the moment, at least. But I'd say after half a day of tramping through the dirt and lugging surveying instruments, she'll be ready to take up some nice vocation like crochet. Later at the job site, Betty is also ridiculed by her boss, college boy Doyle Hobbs. Look, why don't you go home where little girls belong? I'm not a little girl. You're a girl, and a girl has the obligation of being one. Woman's place is in the home, not knocking around with a trance and a couple of chainmen. The plan of life was worked out long ago. The male has his job, and the female has hers. Don't confuse him. Jesus. Yeah. But Betty, ever the feminist, she actually fights back against Doyle Hobbs' sexist remarks. Did it ever occur to you the world might be changing? Women vote now, you know. Yep. My sister votes, my mother votes, and my aunt votes. But they wear skirts to the polls, and they don't go till they cook their husband's breakfast. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Yikes. Yeah, really. I thought he was going to go with an I don't support it or like, (laughs) but at least like. Instead of just being like women shouldn't have rights, he's like women can have rights, but only if they wear skirts and cook me breakfast. It's It's a weird combination of 
of beliefs that makes you question. Yeah. And what's even more upsetting is that these weird combination of beliefs are actually represented as being right. So he he shows up at her house later and he argues with Betty's father that her place in the engineering internship actually takes a man's job away from him and deprives Betty's future husband from having a proper feminine wife. It's not that she couldn't be an engineer. She might be a darn good one. But think what a dirty trick that might be on some guy. Dirty trick on what guy? Any guy. Maybe some young engineer. Some guy who works hard all day in the dust and the heat. Why does he do it? So when the day's over, he can come home to some nice, pretty wife. That's what makes working all day in the dust and heat worthwhile. That's why your bridges and roads and everything are built. To make a nice place for the guys and their wives and their kids to live in. But if the nice, pretty girls are going to be out there in the dust and heat too, who are the guys going to come home to? Wow. So it's not even he doesn't think she's going to be a good engineer. It's... Yeah. They should leave it for a bad male engineer. <laughs> yeah, it, it has nothing to do with, like, her skills or yeah. her, her abilities. Her small female brain. Yeah, it's not It's not like she can't do it. It's like she shouldn't do it. Like, yeah. it's, she's morally condemned for, for having career ambitions outside of the home. Yeah, how embarrassing for her future husband. In the end, Betty is made to feel guilty for having career ambitions. Her goals are not only laughed off as impossible, but morally condemned for depriving some imaginary husband of his wife. The French writer and intellectual Simone de Beauvoir says in The Second Sex that humanity is defined by man, and that man also defines woman, not in herself, but in her relation to him, meaning that men in a patriarchal society do not see women as autonomous beings. And this is exactly what Doyle Hobbs does. He recognizes a woman's core value as only what she can provide for her husband. In the end of the episode, Betty ultimately puts on the dress that her mother was asking her to put on in the beginning, and she accepts a date from Doyle Hobbs, confirming and reinforcing his argument about women's role outside of the home. Oh, no. She dates him? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the episode ends with Doyle asking Betty out and giving her a box of chocolate. And when she accepts it, he says, now that's more like it. (gasps) Yeah. Just like how Lucy forgets any of her career ambitions and accepts her place in the home, Betty resigns herself to the future as a wife or a homemaker or whatever else Doyle Hobbs and other men expect from her. Yikes. Yeah, I hate how, like, it's the one thing you accept. It's like, you know, oh, you're going to take that box of chocolates. That means, like, your your whole life is over, you yeah, know? Yeah, right. It's like as soon as you start to give in, yeah. it's like, oh, okay. She's fully, like, on my side. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Poor Betty. Chapter 3, The Liberation of Marsha Brady. This episode of The Brady Bunch, although it was made 20 years after the job-switching episode of I Love Lucy it's not that much more progressive. So we've jumped forward quite a bit in time. It's now 1971. That means the women's liberation movement is fully underway. In 1963, one of the leading figures of the women's movement, Betty Friedan, wrote The Feminine Mystique, where she identified the problem that has no name, which she's to describe the dissatisfaction and depression experienced by many middle-class housewives who felt that their domestic lives were unfulfilling. She also describes something she calls the educated housewife syndrome, where women who were college educated had 16 years of academic training, which was entirely unrealistic training for wifehood and motherhood. Their studies and hard work felt like it led to nothing, and women were starting to be more open about that sense of dissatisfaction. The liberation of Marsha Brady hints at this social progressive shift, but ultimately reinforces gender roles and encourages women to stay removed from male-dominated interests. In this episode, Marsha is interviewed at school by a news reporter, and he asks her about the women's liberation movement. 
Marcia, do you feel girls are the equal of boys? Well, if we're all supposed to be created equal, I guess that means girls as well as boys. Then I take it you're for women's liberation. I guess I am. Do you have any brothers, Marsh? Yes, sir, three. Do you think you can do everything they can do? Well, I think I should have the chance to try. Tell me this. Do they put you down sometimes, I mean, just because you're a girl? They sure do. And it's not fair. Do you think girls should do something about that? We certainly should. Yay! Oh, Marsha. A true feminist. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's saying some good stuff. And we see like a little bit of support for her from her mother, um, but not a whole lot from the from the brothers and the boys. I just meant that girls should have the same chance as boys. I'd like to see you prove you can do anything boys can do. Okay, then I'll prove it. Oh yeah? How? I'll think of something. So to prove her point, Marsha decides to join the Frontier Scouts, which is like an off-brand version of the Boy Scouts. They're just like not allowed to say Boy Scouts on TV. So Marsha, like Betty, tries to express interest in a male-dominated path. And like Betty, Marsha is also laughed at for her ridiculous desire to take part in any masculine role. To prove herself, Marsha must undergo a strenuous initiation test, practicing basic survival skills like starting a fire and setting up a tent and following a trail without help. And the whole time, her brother just laughs at her, but she finally completes the test. All right, well, at least a happy ending. Uh, we're not done yet. Just as Marsha is about to attend the initiation ceremony and accept her place in the Frontier Scouts, she takes off her uniform, she puts her dress back on. You mean you don't want to join the Frontier Scouts after all? No. Chopping and tracking is nice, I guess, if you're a boy. It really is. I just wanted to prove to myself I could do it even though I'm a girl. Oh, did the new fashion magazine come yet? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really disappointing. She's so close. So close. I mean, she did what she wanted to do. She wanted to prove it to herself. She did it. If she didn't actually want to do it. It's true. It's cool, she she but... does do it. She does prove to herself that she can find a place in this male-dominated world. I do wish she doesn't say, I wish I could prove it to myself even though I'm a girl, as if being a girl yeah. prevents her from being able to do something like For this. For sure. She, do, she does technically achieve her goal, but it still ultimately reinforces these same roles. And because The Brady Bunch was a network television program, it did rely on public approval and advertisement for funding. So portraying controversial cultural movements like women's lib was risky in the first place. But this episode does find a way to balance traditional values while beginning to approach change, even if hesitantly. Now that we've discussed how these three episodes undoubtedly reinforce traditional gender roles, I want to return once more to our own plans for the future. If the only representation you saw for women on screen was of the domestic homemaker, you'd be taught that the only option, and ultimately the most satisfying and fulfilling option for your future, would be to marry and to have children. The on-screen woman promised real women that she could achieve psychic and social satisfaction for being contained within the private space of the home. Any woman who adheres to any sort of traditional sense of femininity, I don't think should be criticized or ridiculed for that choice. That being said, I do think that that shouldn't be the only option for women. And I I think that that's what we're really trying to get at here is that the things that we envision for ourselves, the, the futures that we have planned, 
are different than the futures that our grandmothers planned. And maybe part of that is because we've been able to see women live out full careers and live out full lives and find a way to balance both their career and their family. Thanks again to our sponsors, Food Snacks and Clean Soap, for making this episode possible. Tune in next week to hear us talk about the manic pixie dream girl. Bye for now.